Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sindhu. And I'm Abhi. And you're listening to Hidden Health. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the nature of water sanitation as it comes to affect maternal health outcomes in lower income regions, such as urban informal settlements. Health outcomes for mothers and children are an integral component of global healthcare systems and community health around the world. Maternal mortality, or the death of a woman during or shortly after her pregnancy, is an important measurement of the quality of health of a population as well as the effectiveness of its healthcare delivery system. High mortality rates generally tend to demonstrate disparities in access to healthcare as well as structural inequities. Before we get into water sanitation specifically, Let's talk about urban informal settlements, or more commonly known, slums, to get a better understanding of the circumstances that give rise to poor maternal health outcomes. Slums are regions of a city that are commonly in conditions not suitable for healthy living, where it can be really difficult to access basic services and necessities and is often characterized by poverty. These conditions arise from a variety of factors and generally can be attributed to the decisions of those who are not living in these regions, often the government. A paper done on domestic water sources in informal settlements in Makululu, Zambia, explored both the nature of urban slum and how this affects the quality of water. Therefore, there are a lot of issues with the land that are clearly defined to not be suitable for living, and this becomes the land that these informal settlements are built upon. This speaks to great lengths about the nature of the government of that country. Going off of that, governments in general tend to fail to manage their urban populations in a manner that would allow every resident to have proper housing and access to infrastructure. So these slums or urban informal settlements can often be constructed by the residents themselves, and the materials and resources that they employ to do so are, of course, usually not adequate or suitable for a safe and secure living environment, uh, given that they're not receiving professional support. A major reason for these regions being rejected by city developers, as Abi was talking about, is an increased vulnerability to disasters, particularly flooding in many African countries, such as Mozambique. There usually is no proper defense mechanism in place, such as a drainage or a proper sewage system. And uh, unfortunately, residents are also often not educated about nor involved in disaster risk management protocol. And therefore, these slums are built without proper infrastructure to protect the area from impact from these natural disasters. One of the most serious consequences that can emerge from all of this is poor waters and sanitation. Water sanitation is a big determinant of health outcomes and can be tied to a strong socio-ecological context. All right. So how exactly does water sanitation specifically affect overall and maternal health outcomes in these regions? So WASH which stands for Water Sanitation and Hygiene, is an incredibly important measure of the quality of living in the community. Access to potable water and proper sanitation practices are generally lacking in the majority of urban slums, as proper infrastructure and facilities necessary to have safe and clean water are rarely provided to the people by the government. One of the main factors involved in the quality of water sanitation in most urban slums can be attributed to how human excreta is disposed of. And we explore this further through a case study done in Kenya on the nature of fecal contamination in urban poverty. So pit latrines are a type of toilet facility that essentially involves a hole dug into the ground through which human waste is excreted. Most urban slums use wells as the source of water, as their main source of water actually, 
and therefore it is recommended that these pit latrines and wells be placed a significant distance apart from one another to avoid contamination of any kind. These wells also do not tend to have a strong foundation physically, such as a concrete slab, and are also not covered properly, which makes them even more vulnerable to contaminations. The overcrowded nature of slums unfortunately makes it difficult to meet these guidelines. And the study found that nearly 40% of the wells in the area were less than 15 meters away from the latrines. So the transportation of tools and water and other household essentials between these two sources, or even the household with the latrine, can allow for the movement of pathogenic bacteria and microorganisms, um, leading to the consequent contamination of the water source with the fecal matter. Another factor that contributes to fecal contamination of domestic water sources is the practice of open defecation, which is more commonly done by children or in times when the pit latrines may be occupied by another member of the household. Open defecation involves excrement of human waste in open areas and fields, and often can occur to a lack of readily available toilet facility. The study discovered that the majority of urban slum residents use shallow wells as their primary source of water, which is usually groundwater. Groundwater often serves as a more financially feasible choice for those who do not have the support of the government in receiving proper services um, or sewage systems. So there are several components of the nature of an urban slum that come together to create the basis for contamination to occur. Since urban informal settlements are often located on land at risk for flooding, like we've talked about, large floods or even small runoffs from rain can carry the soil containing the fecal matter from the open defecation that occurred closer to the wells or into the region surrounding the wells and uh, subsequently contaminate the groundwater sources. This is made especially evident during the rainy monsoon season or during storms as runoff occurs frequently and at a larger scale. The fecal matter then directly interacts with the soil that the water is drawn from, causing the transmission of bacteria and pathogens into the very water that people use for their basic necessities, including direct consumption. Looking more closely at these pathogens, thermotolerant coliforms are a type of bacteria that are indicators of fecal contamination. And this same study found that almost all of its samples from the shallow wells were positive for these thermotolerant coliforms. This demonstrates that the reduced distance between the pit latrines and the, and the groundwater wells, as well as the common practice of open defecation, collectively contributed to the contamination of water. A 2012 Makalulu study found that water samples taken from a communal source after a period of heavy rainfall found fecal coliform levels to be well beyond the permissible values set by the World Health Organization. The period of rainfall must have increased the runoff flow, increasing the probability for the fecal matter from open defecation to reach the water sources. Looking specifically at Mozambique, a cross-sectional study done in Maputo, which was an area drawing many migrants, explored the potential sources of contamination and tried to identify patterns in low-income households with poor sanitation facilities. These regions were also noted to be vulnerable to flooding given the lack of proper city management of fecal waste and the crowded nature of the settlements. Sanitation facilities included compound latrines and were observed to be in extremely poor conditions. The study found that latrine soil contained the most significant human fecal impact and that at least one child in the majority of the household compounds practiced open defecation. Shared sanitation facilities were also noted to be very common. 
A study done in Orissa, India, had a particular finding that explained that many households with shared sanitation facilities also had increased rates of family members taking part in open defecation. Regarding shared sanitation facilities, elevated levels of fecal contamination were obtained through an analysis of fecal sludge samples. And all of these studies discussed similar findings and observations, and it was made evident that poor water sanitation is present in high proportions in urban slum areas. And this is explained by the fecal contamination found in the domestic water sources that the people rely on. Neglect from city and governmental management renders these slums to be vulnerable to such conditions, as well as natural disasters such as flooding. Smaller scale environmental forces such as the rainy season also contribute heavily to the increasing risk of contamination. Let's look at this more closely from a pathological perspective. Right. So fecal contamination is known to have many adverse effects for the health of those who consume and use the water harboring it, given that it often leads to disease transmission through fecal disease vectors. So if we look back at the characteristics of slums, many slums are known to have very poor vector and vermin control, as well as inadequate personal and general hygiene. This is mainly due to a lack of education on personal hygiene. So this constitutes for the lack of proper water and sanitation hygiene, which then leads to typhoid and cholera spread, diarrheal diseases, as well as water-related illnesses such as hookworm infection, trachoma, ascariasis, and much more. Poor water sanitation can also bring about great anxiety and stress, and even may have impacts on the nutritional intake of mothers. The Odisha study explained that in circumstances where sanitation facilities are too unhygienic for use or simply are not available, mothers may have to cut down on eating and staying hydrated in order to keep from having to use the restroom. This, unfortunately, can lead to a multitude of health conditions, including malnutrition for not just the mother, but her unborn child as well. Another extremely important facet to maternal health is the process of childbirth itself. And unfortunately, this can be severely impacted by water, sanitation, and hygiene. So how exactly is water used in childbirth? Yeah, so looking at the relevance of clean water in childbirth, it's often used for hand-washing purposes by the birth attendant, for cleaning and sterilizing tools to perform the actual birth, and all of the processes that occur during it, such as the cutting of the umbilical cord, um, as well as for C-sections, and also just in general to prepare a clean delivery surface for the mother to give birth. In general, water is a very vital component of having a healthy pregnancy. Maternal hydration helps with homeostasis for both the mother and the fetus, such as temperature maintenance, as well as drinking water removes toxic products from the amniotic sac. However, a lack of access to clean water can result in oral, fecal, and enteric infections through contaminated water use. This can cause typhoid fever in mothers, which can result in spontaneous abortion, fatal death, and maternal complications unless they have antibiotic treatments. And as a side note, it is important to note that many of these women who don't have access to clean water are also not wealthy enough to benefit from antibiotic treatments. And walking and bathing in contaminated water can cause hepatitis E, as well as hookworm-related anemia, which increases the risk of dying during pregnancy and delivering low birth weight babies who are also at a higher risk of death. Finally, heavy metal contaminants in water sources can also bring about circumstances of spontaneous abortion, 
as well as other detrimental consequences for the mothers. To conclude the episode, we have a short list of basic statistics that sort of show how big of an issue this really is in the world, especially in areas that are not as wealthy and developed as other countries. So a 2015 report from the World Health Organization concluded that 38% of health facilities in low and middle income countries lacked access to safe water, 19% lacked sanitation, and 35% lacked water and soap for hand washing. Similarly, a study examining health facilities offering maternal health services in Kenya, Namibia, Rwanda, Tanzania, and Uganda found that only 36% of primary facilities, which are uh, those that do not perform C-sections, and 60% of secondary facilities, which are those that do perform C-sections, had adequate safe water. In low-resource settings, the availability of clean water and sanitation facilities can be worse for women giving birth at home. Based on data from demographic and health surveys, the percentage of home births that occurred with access to a safe water source and sanitation facilities was 1.5%, 2.9%, 9.6%, and 18.5% in Tanzania, Malawi, India, and Bangladesh, respectively. As you can see, these are very appalling statistics that have the potential to be changed. Finally, a 2016 study based on data from 58 low and middle income countries found that women who were poor, had less education, or lived in rural areas were at the greatest risk of delivering without safe water and sanitation infrastructure. To conclude, we can ultimately arrive at the understanding that poor water sanitation issues contributes strongly to increasing reproductive vulnerability and negatively impacting health outcomes for migrant mothers. And from an ecological perspective, the vulnerability of these urban slums to circumstances of accelerated change, such as war or natural disasters, due to a reduced resilience of the urban systems as a whole, causes the socio-ecological environment to be unfavorable for those living there. Surface runoff, domestic water source contamination, Poverty and poor infrastructure are just among a few of the many factors that rob the civilians and mothers specifically of a lifestyle that is safe and healthy. Infectious diseases that emerge from poor water sanitation also may make it more difficult for mothers to access health care if there are fewer health workers or birth attendants willing to take a risk to care for them, leaving them even more vulnerable. In addition, cultural perspectives and beliefs are an extremely important dimension to this as well as they not only shape a woman's decision to seek care, but also how she views and navigates her pregnancy as a whole. We look forward to doing more research and hopefully finding more opportunities to learn about life in these urban slums and the various ways that individuals interact with their environment. Many countries around the world today are witnessing an increase in the gap between the rich and the poor, and identifying the root causes of these problems can allow us to collectively understand and work together towards bringing change. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hidden Health. We hope you learned a lot about the importance of water sanitation and hygiene, as well as its impact on maternal health. Stay tuned for next time, where we will be diving into the science behind dreams and a new emerging theory on how they can possibly be an evolutionary defense mechanism.